This is the uh, South African Composers Archive. I'll eventually remember what it's called. I think I'll get the hang of it soon. Um, let's just leap straight into it. My next guest, you will know him uh, for his various performances at uh, various new music festivals around the world, such as the Paris Autumn Festival, New York City's Electronic Music Festival, and locally, the Infecting the City in Cape Town. Uh, you will know him for his new music ensemble, EJNCP, and I'm not sure is that the correct way you yes, pronounce it, yeah? Um, and you will also know him as the co-founder of the Purpur Festival for Transgressive Arts. Uh, what day is it? Today is Thursday. Thank you for joining me on a Thursday morning in my lounge. As uh, I mentioned, with freshly cat dump in the background, very informal. Um, Pierre-Henri Wickham, thank you very much thank, for, thank for sitting with me. Thank you for inviting me. Um, so, we can leap straight into this. We started, uh, this is why I quickly hurriedly whipped out the recording device as we were talking about this, but um, who or what inspired you to, to start music? That is probably the easiest question. <laughs> um, I grew up in a, in a house. My dad is a folk singer. My mother is a sort of an opera singer. And she's still also teaching singing. She's in the 70s. So I really didn't have a choice. Um, <laughs> I this sounds strangely familiar. <laughs> to, to interact with music. So it has been coming for quite a while, yeah. It's that I, I, we started talking about this now, but the connection of, of your dad and my dad. Uh, I have memories of, I must have been like 10, 9 or 10 going through my parents' record collection and seeing Randall Wickham, like a whole bunch of these albums. And it, I was thinking about it this morning. It's possibly one of the first sort of like cognitive moments of realizing what an arranger is. Yes. Sort of looking and seeing, that's my dad's name. What, what has he done? And he's also playing, I think, recorder on, on some of them. Yes. Um, so, yeah, you were saying uh, before I hit record... Uh, that there was definitely sort of you've been to there, there's this sort of childhood connection uh, as it were uh, just from like having been to the house and stuff like that no absolutely I mean when I saw you or thinking that I was going to come to you that we've spent a lot of time together I think as kids in each other's homes because of our dads yeah working together <laughs> yes which is bizarre it's but I, I think it's also kind of funny uh that it's taken so long in adulthood it's take like i've heard your name popping up quite a bit over the last few years i remember yeah. chatting to uh bryden bolton okay. when he was working on your bass concerto yes um what he did say what was kind of funny he was like loving the piece and going on about it and he was just like i really hope that uh that pierre henry says something about the quarter tones to make oh. it very clear it's like that this this is how the bass is meant to sound <laughs> kind of, it's like such a dangerous instrument anyway <laughs> when it comes to things like that but um sorry yeah no 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 i want to say yeah the quarter tones probably is a totally different subject but it is interesting that because for me, the quarter tone or the microtonality I use in my music, for me, it's a out of tune playing per se. It's not supposed to be exact, yes. but it probably comes naturally with that instrument. <laughs> there was yeah. uh, a piece of mine, and I, and I won't give away performer or piece, but there was a recording that I was uh, playing to my brother at one point. It involved a string player, and he was listening to it very intently, and he, he sort of turned to me at one point, he's like, 
quarter tones? You're intentionally using quarter tones? It's like, no, Zandi, that that's just uh, how, how it was being performed. Like, it's very sweet that you think that. But yeah, so you, you grew up in, in a musical family. What was sort of, was there a deciding moment where you're like, you know what, I want to put pen to paper. I want to, to try and, and write now. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know if I can recall such a moment, but there's always been me at the piano. Firstly, just trying out things, improvising. I was thinking this morning that often when people play the piano, um, their their first sort of interaction with the instrument, I didn't try to to copy a melody. I actually tried. My first thing was to arrange the harmonic progression underneath the melody and i find that okay. interesting because that is my main thing is harmony right that is sort of my the foundation so it was interesting to me to sort of revisit that moment but pen to paper it probably happened i mean initially i wrote pop songs or sort of influenced by my dad sort of primary school and then late high school i started to write a bit like ravel um rachmaninoff and right. i started to jot things down i think that was when I couldn't remember sort of the structure when the pieces were becoming bigger. Right, right, right. Yeah, so I had to sort of write them down, you know, I think. (laughs) So when when you'd been doing it for a while, I assume obviously that you you carried on studying with it, that you, uh, yeah, that that you studied composition, that you uh, progressed your craft, for for want of a better word. Uh, What what did you do? Where did you go? I think I probably... Took a quite conventional road. I studied at Stellenbosch, still with Rudolf Temming. Okay. Um, and and then I did the honors there, and I started the masters, but sort of more a longer vacation with all the luxuries of the concert. So I never finished the masters there. I went to Hendrik Hofmeyer at UCT, and then I went overseas to the Royal Conservatory in Den Haag. Okay, yeah. who, who were you with there? At that stage, I wanted to study with... Not, what's his name? I said no, minimal, big minimalist Dutch... Um, Andriessen. Andriessen, yes. Andriessen, but he only took um, female composers at that stage. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not sure why, but <laughs> it doesn't matter. So I studied with Gilius... I don't know if you know Gilles van Berghek is an interesting composer. I think he probably influenced me a lot because he writes for very odd instruments. Okay. Does sort of interesting things. Um, odd instruments such as. Um, I mean, plunger, which we'll definitely get to. But no, I don't like... think plunger per se, but um, these organs that that haven't been used for centuries, he somehow gets hold of them and then sort of these punching rolls. And those kind of things, all the electronic stuff. Yeah, it's, I think it's very much into low quality and just music taking forever. Right. He works years on a piece because of the the practical aspect of punching or measuring things, and it's amazing. Is, is this sort of like um, I don't I want to say piano roll kind of stuff. That, that, where, that sort yeah. of thing, yeah. Right, right. And that will actually that will take forever. He also did a a tape piece. I think a ten minute tape piece, which is sort of. Um, based on the concept of you've got say a four second section and then the next four seconds will have three of the previous seconds and another second it's it's based on the actual piece so it's the cutting of a piece into four seconds becoming slower but every section has the previous three seconds and then having the next second of the piece so it's this going back and then 
it gets smaller these sections and that okay. took him about two three years to was a right. sorry so that is a big influence okay but we were talking about uh, were talking? So, uh studying or yeah. sort of Oh, studying, yes. Gilius, that is the one guy. Then um, Martijn, I had a few classes with. He's the... Pudding? Pudding, student yeah. of yeah. Andresen. I think it's a very good um, tutor. I'd like these classes also a lot. And then um, Diederik um, Wagenaar, he was also at the conservatory at that stage. Pudding comes to South Africa now and then. Or... That's right. Yes, yeah. It... I know he was here once with an Indaba, as far as I know. Yes. You yes. you're quite involved with the new music in, in Davos or New Music mm. SA or No, not no, really. No, okay. no, 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 I don't think so. Okay, no, I <laughs> I'm just thinking I'm probably I think there's probably a little bit of um cross pollination between that and, and Purple and unless I'm mistaken. I, I did a few concerts recently because of this thing I had the opportunity to write a piece for this. What is this ad hoc ensemble that uh, that in Daba not they don't have them anymore um oh uh, um, what are they called i'm um, not sure I, I should probably know this yeah i know i mean i was i wasn't i was never involved with with Sunme. okay i don't i don't yeah. know them at all I, <laughs> okay um what what kind of ensemble is that out of curiosity i mean i i think um oh the core ensemble was sort of the standard probably sextet octet setup okay strings and a few wings and I think they only came together for all the Indabas. Right. And, and people could write for them. It was sort of a... I don't that, know. That makes sense. I think, like, my... I was not... I was never involved. I never had anything mm. done there. But uh, my brother with his quartet, Santonga, they did okay. a lot of those. So I'd end up going to quite a few of them in when it was the Grand Sound Festival and okay. stuff like that. So that makes sense when they disbanded that there would be another ensemble okay. to, to take its place, as it were. Um, at the moment, I'm studying at Africa Open. Oh, okay, with yes. With Stefanus Miller and um, Michael Blake and Lumeri Krier, which is my third supervisor. I'm doing a PhD psychoanalysis and working on an opera. If I understand correctly, Africa Open is sort of an offshoot of Stellenbosch University. That's correct. And, but sort of more focused on sort of newish stuff? A- absolutely, yeah. yeah. Innovation, research, yeah. That's... That's- that's why I'm probably more welcome there. Right. <laughs> but more it's also, as opposed to Stellenbosch itself or, or other universities. Yeah, probably. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, after you sort of mentioned early uh, pop songs and stuff like that, what was your first commission? Uh, be it paid or not, but when someone came up to you and went like, hey, I want, I want you to write something for me. Yeah, that is... I mean, the first official one was actually at, probably at the Royal Conservatory, because that was a proper one. But earlier than that, I'm not so sure. I was probably my own performer. I commissioned myself. That's very that important. often happens. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and, and this is something that, uh, why, like, something like the Nightlight Collective or Shout Ensemble um, exists. Mm. It took me a very, very long time to actually kind of acknowledge, like, maybe I need to play my own shit. Yes, no, that's um, important. <clears throat> I sometimes find, um, and I might be wrong here when this is just me, mm. but there is sometimes, like, a, a little bit of, like, a, a composer attitude that one develops, which is just, like, well, I'm writing for other people. Yes, and And, absolutely. like, they, this ensemble needs to play something. 
And, uh, I mean, the whole reason that the group exists was I, uh, my seventh string quartet, which I really wanted to have done. And I was chatting to uh, Sarah Evans, the viola player in the group mm. at the time. And she was just kind of like, listen, you know, you have some, like, good friends who play, like, violin and a cello. Just ask them. Like, I play viola. Like, we can do this. So it is that sort of that shift of going, like, oh, I need to actually do this myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, so is this whether you're... It's EJNCP? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that ensemble isn't together anymore, but that was when, um, about 2007, we existed for about five or four years. That was when I just came back from... Um, from the Netherlands, I was so um, inspired by it's a different setup. I mean, all those ensembles had to play student pieces, right? They get sort of subsidized, I think, for doing that. So, we created it. Was interesting what was interesting that all four of us were composers playing in the ensemble, so it created for an interesting um, concert program, very different styles. But yes. each of us in the ex ensemble, I think, it sort of tied it nicely together. Um, I think it was it was good seeing that we weren't all performers. I think that always lacked. It wasn't necessarily the best before. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it was the best before. Mm, I don't know. I think that's what lacked for me because I, as you become older, you become so aware of what a performance does to a piece. Yes. Suddenly, it becomes your issue if it doesn't sound as you intended, but often it's the performance, but you don't necessarily want to say that. But it becomes, you understand, right, it's right. an interesting dynamic. Yes. I mean, I, I think like from, from that level with uh, something like Shart or like the other groups that we've done, like 09, sort of, yes. which was with uh, Bryden and uh, the Fax Trio and, and groups like that, you start writing very much for like a specific performer in mind when, when yes. you've been working together for a while. Like, there's definitely stuff that, like, I've written for myself where it's just like, well, I know I'm comfortable to do with this. And, yes. like, I'll, I will subject myself to this bullshit kind of yes. thing. <laughs> um, but then there have been other moments where sort of, like, I forget that it's also been a, a while since I've been in as practice as I used to be. And it's just like, well, like, 2007 Mateus could have played this pretty fucking easily. But, yeah, like, what was I thinking? Yes. Um, no, it's true. It's often sort of what also came up now is that I was often composing is improvising on instruments to me yes. and it's sort of what happens in that moment what you can do with the instrument that you want to re yeah, recreate on paper which is tricky yes yeah yeah so I mean of of the earlier works do you have a we speak about like sort of bringing an example of of something new um so uh of of that time of a, a new uh, an older work what uh, what piece have you have you brought along I I brought a piece I did in 2010 which I revised in 2013 and so began which is a text uh it's based on a text by Robert Rob Bolton an interesting sort of poem it's this very long text. Mm, what info? Okay, what was interesting? I wrote it for EJNCP, so I knew it couldn't be that tricky because we also only had a sort of a set amount of time in which to rehearse this piece, and it also has a narrator, which I presume couldn't really read notation. Right. So I devised a system in which the narrator sort of became the conductor with the way in which she, in this case, sort of phrased the words. And I think it actually worked well because it, text is a problem for me in combination with music, but 
because we had to follow her and wait for text cues, I think it sort of merged the music and the text better together. Right. So the music is, I think you cannot listen to the music without the text, which I like. It's kind of more like a soundtrack to a visual thing. And that is what I don't often find with text music. It's fine if I cannot sing German text because the melody is so strong. Right. That is always my issue with texts. I don't understand it. So hopefully I work around that issue and it works in the setup. Yeah. Right. the spirits broadsheet crossword with the old unsolved 17 blank blocks the impertinences of an older man breakfast in observatory four seater void of finger wagging gods Unget thee hence, Boyd, small beneath my sight, and a slice of urban roadway which, you know, begins dead and ends dead and entertains angels between with the old, the ancient threats and the uncommon blessings and so be and the next of his life. Observing angels and no angels and the shit of observatory dogs softly, softly moleculing away down black sidewalks westwards Black river woods under April showers, sooted black to the looned river, the full moon, the ultimate dumb bay drubbed, gugulatu sooty black. Gugulatu sooty black, newly coated, saint patron of the peri urban slice, through which pass but once the no good, do good. Any good, therefore, that I can do. Any good, therefore, that I can do. Prophets of prosperity and indolence, the negligee and the negligent. Weird, bearded, queer-seared, whole-souled scrabblers for the colonel's secret wingspan's radius, 
the sacred ulna, the four-leafed unbroken breastbone of the ground-bound, trill-streeted, orthogonal, each man in the cell of himself, each man in the cell of himself, free-range man wheezing stealth through blistered stratospheres. Get thee hence, boy, and snag thou eagles for the trophy room. Snare thou eagles and angels and fairies and tooth-winged mice for thy specimen cabinet and all manner of winged thing and every, any beautiful beast hovering sootily over the dark path of this your day. Be thou, be thou the air about them, be thou, cloaked in its smoggy lining stealth, the hound of these heavens sound, thou the horn of the heavens beast, hound the levant breasts, unbroken ground bound, horns sound. newly armed in your left hand and neither in your right the nor don thou the eagle's harness boy and feather your fingers into the tree rat's side resist new plumed the cigaretting of the sun and the wine-staining sea. So, I mean, what, what we started talking about uh, a little bit before I, I switched to record, Yeah. Um, you have a very unique, I think, voice um, in South Africa compositionally, mm. um, which I think there, there's this ongoing, uh, we chatting about it briefly, that there's sometimes this like internal battle with other composers. Like I'll periodically see someone complaining about like, oh, it's atonal and oh, this is, you know, where's the melody? Yeah. And it's just like, oh, grow up. But <laughs> uh, what I think a lot of people who would not necessarily be uh, used to listening to this kind of sound world 
um for many people i think they're kind of like oh well it's random or it's noise or Mm. like what is this and i suspect i know the answer to this but i'd like you to say your process how much of this is improvised how much of this is very meticulously notated it's actually very meticulously notated see this is what i thought and i think people forget that i they they there is that sort of Sort of like, oh, it's just random. Like, there is a lot of thought, especially in that kind of stuff. Yes, no, very, no, every, every note is a specific choice, and it takes a while to sort of decide what you want. I always struggle with notation anyway. But, I mean, I like the idea of things sounding random, but coming from a very structured world. Um, it is always interesting how people perceive your pieces, because how I perceive it is so different. Yes. To me... It is sort of melodic, (laughs) (laughs) to a degree. It is this this noise. I think the things that people perceive as noise and texture actually ties for me together as what I call this thick melodic line. It all sort of adds up to this melody that sort of snakes through this piece. That is, so it is all very meticulously chosen and yes um, I always work um, conceptually so it's all based on an philosophical idea or a practice idea that I play with and experiment with in the piece it's sort of a real-time documentation of how do I work with this issue or problem and how I tackle it in different ways and then I just translate it musically yeah so what is what is your process when say you're starting a new work you say you you usually have sort of like a conceptual idea first and then go from that do you sketch stuff do you just sort of jump straight into it Uh, so i start from a yes an idea it's often tied to the instrument i'm working with um a piece a piece of mind solecism i don't know if it's going to have if it's going to have some air time Uh, I'd love to include it, it. definitely. Um, Um, But that was, I think I based that around the idea of the horn to try and make the modern horn more a a copy of the the old natural horn. And I don't know why, how this idea happened, but I tried to literally to cover the the modern horners of it up with the play, use his hands and strange techniques so that less of the modern horn featured so that different sounds were produced right and that sort of world became the impetus for that piece so it's it's those um those unpredictabilities that happened because he tried to alter the instrument to resemble the old instrument more right literally right and what came out there i looked at and um what i liked i used in and Renotated so that he could play it again himself, what I sort of liked in it. So it, it was very much a process of to and throw. And I wouldn't say I sketched it out from the beginning because I found I get too tied into that process and then it loses that thing of, of surprise, which I think is important. And I feel a bit, it becomes a bit conservative in its approach. It becomes a bit serial. If I, if I sketch too much beforehand, and right. I want it to speak back to me so that I don't take full responsibility, if you understand what I say. Yes. So that things can happen, I could take different alleys. And I, I actually like that process. And I, I think actually it's, um, 
I always, I also find it actually troublesome because one wants to be in control. I think that's why we are composers. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. why we're not improvisers or, I don't know, a different sort of field. But I think it's important I try to keep that side open and not sketch anything down to the T. So, I mean, what, and, and I'm almost certain we will talk about it later, but I, I feel now's a good time to mention it. Yes. So you, you do work with uh, improvisers quite a bit. Uh, I think I of like Coiler, Enderstein. So for that, is, is it a case of like, you'll uh, go back and forth and sort of, you know, these are effects or these are things that uh, I like doing with my instruments or... Mm, the, the first piece I actually composed before I really knew her and she just performed it, I made contact. Because I knew her, but the second, what is the piece called? Um, Self-Portrait. Right. Which was actually written for, specifically that was very much pro improvising in an odd sense because I, I played around with the idea of the, the commission, writing for someone, but in a totally different, sort of in an anatomic way. I really, I nearly measured her hands and I tried to see how she plays the piano and let that influence me to take the commission thing to that next level. So that was probably a process of improvising a bit. That work is also with Dancer? If I'm not no, with... no. no I'm, I think, I, I think, think the way she moves sort of um, reminds one of a dancing. She often plays extreme of the instruments and her foot also plays a, a wooden bar that's connected to a contact mic so it's like she's also tapping every now so it's she's a bit like a dancer in front of the right yeah right. but never improvising actually playing that looks like dancing right yeah. So we've spoken, we've mentioned names here and there, but who would you regard sort of as like biggest influences for your stuff? That's always a tricky question. Um, That's why I ask it. <laughs> I mean it, I, I would probably say everyone. <laughs> right. If we go back Western classical music, yeah, uh, probably start with Bach, even earlier. But I, I, I mean, I probably don't read enough of the old masters. I listen a lot, Bach, Beethoven. Um, Melody-wise, I have to think, yeah, Chopin, um, of course, then Stravinsky, Rachmaninoff, actually, people will hate me for that. I'm, I'm probably a big romantic, I just like the use of his harmonic progressions and how he... Yeah. I'm smiling because there was a, a recording that we did a while back with, uh, with Schatz, where... <clears throat> was sort of an evening of our own compositions and some quite like uh i suppose noise music improvisatory stuff included as uh, an arrangement of uh angel by massive attack that we did that nicola de toy arranged which okay. involves a lot of sort of improv and just like you've got the baseline of the song going throughout and what we do on top of it is 
quite removed from it. But then after an evening of that, we all went back to Nicola's place and somehow the conversation led to us getting very drunk and listening to Rach 2. And it's just that kind of like, don't tell anyone that what <laughs> yes. happened in this room is between us, kind of. But no, I mean, it, it, it's glorious, glorious it music. It's one of the few pieces that constantly gets rehashed and reperformed. It's just like, amazing. okay, I'll allow it. Like, that, that's fine. Kind of. I mean, I also have, probably have to add Richard Strauss and Metamorphosis for the you know, four lost songs. Um, later, I listened a lot early, early in my composition life. I copied a lot of Boulez, Penderecki. That was sort of the thing. Schnitke was also a big influence, I have to say, that sort of moving between styles that in- interests me a lot. And then avant pop, Laurie Anderson, and sort of things that happened in America around um, Bang on a Can. I, I like that right. merging of different also rock pop. I'm very interested in that also. Right. And I think that often comes across in my, maybe not clearly to everyone, but, but I, I, yeah, I draw from that a lot. Right. How would you describe, if someone were to ask you, your current style of writing? Do you think it has changed quite a bit since when you began? Yeah, what has become... I think I've become... What people won't necessarily hear that in the music. I think I've become more sensitive towards the audience. Okay. More aware. That is one of the big things that change. Uh, yeah, one wants to think you become more concentrated on the idea... Um, it's become cleaner, I would think. I don't go off on tangents easily anymore. But you think how I would describe... Um, I mean, I suppose it, it's... I must relook at how I word this question for like future uh, episodes because I suppose if one is playing excerpts of the music, I think people can get a pretty good idea of what it actually sounds like. I mean, it probably sounds like improvisation to people, but... Uh, improvisation that's a bit less in the moment. I would think it's uh, improvisation that uh, has been planned. Yes. It's I... not just playing on a riff or sort of discovering something in the moment. Playing, It's more like having a well uh, idea ahead of what you're going to do and where you're going more than... Yeah, I think that's yeah. sort of a easy way of describing it. Yeah, I think the whole the the thing with uh, improvisatory. What I've discovered now in the last couple of years, uh, having done a little bit more improv stuff, which I I hadn't really done that much before. Um, there is, oh, I guess it's maybe with the people that I've been working with. There is a little bit of planning that goes on behind the scenes, no, which, that's, which, that which is true. Where, where you sort of like you prepare and yes. you're like, okay, well, this is something that I want to do. These are ideas, and there have been a couple of moments where, like, you know, you'll rehearse it, you'll play it through something twice or yes. whatever, and then you're sort of there's that weird moment of then you do it in performances. It's like this is not what we did at all today. Like, <laughs> stop it. We had figured this out. Like, oh fuck, you mean I actually have to improvise now? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, so. Would you? Uh, no, nah, I'm gonna retract that. I was gonna. I was trying to think of something. Never mind. No, so, no, I, I, I want to. But you're correct. I mean, I answered the question too quickly. I think the live improvisation thing, the big structure is in place, but I think in my piece, it's it's not so possible in real time when you improvise to really look at a motive and know where specific notes of a motive is going to go. It's, I think it's more tricky in real time. Yes. I don't know if you agree. I, I mean, I don't want to make rules. So. No, no, no. 
I'm, I'm just thinking there was a, a concert that I was involved in years ago with the CPO where the, the pianist afterwards was going to do uh, uh, an improvisation as their encore yeah. and <laughs> asked <laughs> asked the audience, like, you know, can anyone, like, give, give me something to, to improvise on, to work on. <laughs> and there was this slightly awkward moment where one of the players was in the orchestra was like, yes, I'd like you to improvise on the following using a flat fifth, blah, 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 and like <laughs> gives this like exact sort of description. And this is in front of the audience was sort of like, I actually has more along the lines of like happy birthday or something. <laughs> like just give me a tune to like go on. Um, we all have our process, I suppose. <laughs> Um, if so, as uh, uh, do you have, or of course you do. What is the, the piece <laughs> that you brought, sort of as like an, a current example of, of something that you, you're currently, or something more recent? Um, I think it's a tough piece to play, and I hope the listeners will be open to it. But I, I thought of bringing the piece that was performed at the New York City Electronic Music Festival, the Now for Try It. That I I have I have questions. So this oh, is for. Uh, <laughs> I've done my research. No, um, for electronic, it's toy piano, but like robotic toy it's piano. Right, yeah. So the piano play the toy piano plays itself. So it doesn't have any keys. I mean, it has got the hammer action, and then it's just fed by MIDI data. Right. And it's got certain limitations about how fast it can play, especially repeated notes. But I mean, um, consecutive notes or different notes you can play as fast as you want to after each other. Chords, I don't think higher than eight notes at the same time. Okay. Yeah. How so? How is the the machine set up? Is it sort of electronic fingers or like this? A toy, it's a toy piano. Not it's a, a, so a, it's a, it's mechanical in the sense it's just the hammer action hitting the rod. So it's, I think it's then electronic the action of the hammer so you see the hammer you see the rods in front of you it's a bit like a box you open like a like this old what do you call these little organs oh, is the, that, the, that sort of look you yeah. open it up and you see everything in front of you you see the hammers and the rods um i can't remember how many it's about two and a half octave the range I mean, this is sort of like, so for people at home, Toy Piano, we're talking sort of like Schroeder from uh, Peanuts, kind of those. Yes, small, yes, yeah. that's right. So it doesn't look like that at all. It looks like an upright piano in okay. that sense. Right. Mr. Rod goes up. And then it's marked because it's quite a small thing. I mean, it's the size of a cutting board. It's about a four, a three sort of size. So when you perf- it's funny when you perform it on this big stage, you put a lot of mics in front and you can barely see the ideas to see the hammers also, because I think it makes it interesting. It's fun. Yeah. It, it's fun to see. It's sort of the, it reminds me a little bit and I, I might be mistaken, but I'm, just, I'm guessing there must be some kind of uh, influence by it, but like the Nankaro, the, the piano roll. Yes. Yes. I've listened to them a couple of times, mm. but then to actually see the piano roll, it, it is quite a, uh, it's, it's quite fun. It's quite it like, uh, there's something quite playful about it. Yes. Um, there's a channel. Oh, I should remember what they're called. There was a, a podcast that I was doing with, uh, Nicola and Cara called Shotcast, where we would sort of talk about new music. You, you featured on that. Yes. Oh, oh I, I, the violin piece. The violin piece. Exactly. Yes, yes. And one of the works, which, uh, we never got to, but it, it's a group. The, the band is called v- uh, Wintergarten or Wintergarten. 
Um, and they had, uh, I don't know, do you know them at all? They, but they, they had like a viral video a couple of years back of a, a pinball uh, a marble machine that they made, which uh, oh. plays sort of like a dance track and it's sort of various marbles dropping from above. This, hitting. this amazing machine, this yes. beautiful machine. Yes. Yes, I saw it. So yeah, what they have as well, so besides for, for that piece, the, the, the guy who's in the band has got a, uh, a, a series that he does on YouTube where he visits, it's a museum, I think, in Amsterdam of automated instruments oh. and sort of every couple of weeks you'll go like okay this is the violin organ or whatever okay. where you'll have like a whole bunch of violins tied up in the center which turns around there's like a massive bow circular bow around like four or five instruments which is constantly turning sure. while their little robotic fingers sort of play in the instrument uh, but it, it sort of talking about like what you're saying like seeing it actually yes. work there, there's something really kind of like this is really cool yeah, like um, although there was a, a headline I saw yesterday while we were having our break, there's apparently a new robot that has been a very realistic robot uh, in Russia has come out now, and uh, it's turned out that it's basically a man in a suit. Was the whole article of sort of like this brilliant technology that we have, and it's clearly a guy in a suit. But that's a complete tangent. Tell, tell me more about uh, now for triads. So now for triads is actually based on two triads. The melody actually goes da da da, and it's heard throughout the piece with sort of noise happening over it. But I think you're able, I'm able to, I people are to sort of hear it throughout the piece. Um, and then there's another one da 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 da. da that's the other um, motive that's also used throughout the thing. So because you've got so much sort of speed ability and I also have a soundtrack with a piece which is using MIDI which is my other aspect I always refer back to. This is sort of using Sibelius. Using sounds. Sibelius but yeah. using it in a in a sort of a obnoxious way not that it's Sibelius for those who don't know as in the notation software not the composer. <laughs> it's yes. Like, yeah. Absolutely. And I use it I I mean I do things you would never be able to do in on um, normal instruments, so I use Sibelius for Sibelius, what Sibelius can do. That's how I and and I tie that together with this with this um, with this um, robot toy piano. Another version of the piece also has a live piano option. So actually, I like the idea of these three ways of performing. Okay. The sort of robotic way, but sort of tying in with the acoustic way, which is a bit of a performer than a live performer that will play with a click track, right. which is even more live, and then also the soundtrack, which is set. It is based on these um, on these triads, and then going through a process of creating um, what is the word I'm looking for? A contamination of these pitches of the triad. And I do this be, um, by creating these sound clouds, which can be compared to the Rorschach test. It is, right. it's, it's a bit like a noise bubble, but it is devised in the sense that some of the pitches are more prominent. Right. So I, I try to, I, I want a specific pitch and I see how I can cover it in ways by doing, using it in different registers, how many times I use it in the sound clouds, do I use the sound cloud more chromatically percentage-wise or is it more diatonic? So it's an interesting exercise to see 
exercise in perception to see in what way do these sound clouds become closer to the actual pitch or is the pitch the last thing you hear when you listen to these short sound clouds right. they are very short right and when do they become less of that pitch and that is basically the main thing in the piece cool. so it's very very composed and very far sections included yeah right
So this is uh, a bit of an odd question. So far, I think I'm going to be uh, prefacing every time I ask this to various composers, I will be prefacing it with uh, this is a bit of an odd question. Okay. Um, but one which I was going to remove from the list and then someone messaged me, it's like, don't, like, keep it in. As a composer, yeah. how do you make a living? How do you survive? Oh. Yeah, that is probably an important question. Um, um, I started working, okay, I was also a teacher at first. I tried to teach less and less, just because of the energy it takes to teach. Teaching music? Teaching music, teaching yes. piano, actually, yeah. because that's my main instrument. Um, I worked with a director, which I'm still working with, Jakub Bowers. I worked a lot in theater, and it has become more viable because I also started working in television now, so okay. I'm doing soundtracks. I've seen there was... Uh, Oh, I've forgotten that's got something to do with a rat. The, oh, yes. The, the, what, is the, what is the name of the film? This Country is Lonely. Okay. Yeah. Um, there was a soundtrack, that uh, a sound clip that you put out. It was really, really cool. Sort of slightly more electronic. Yes, kind that's... Of, yeah, yeah. So sort of a synthy sound, and I did it for this short experimental film. The, the CD is available. <laughs> Good plug it, man. It goes completely into the question of how do you survive? <laughs> like, no, I won't sell so many copies, I presume. Yeah. <laughs> sell it harder, man. <laughs>
That's so, but like you do a lot of film work. And yeah, so I do like it. I, it's actually, I'm enjoying it so much. I have to be strict by this with myself and actually go back to just sitting as a piece of music and writing again because the soundtrack thing is it's fun. It's uh, what's quite encouraging to see, um, or I've noticed it kind of more and more. There seems to be, and I guess it obviously depends on the type of film, but there is, seems to be a little bit of a shift away from like the Zimmer sound and yes. going back to more kind of traditional, in air quotes, uh, composing mm. um, or contemporary composing. Um, I don't know if this 100% falls in that category, but I, I would include it. But I, rem- I was watching, oh, what is the name of the film? I literally just googled alien language movie and it gave me a rival okay. <laughs> but I mean the, the soundtrack for that is is beautiful it is beautiful and, and, but it is a slightly more kind of tradition I don't want to use traditionally but yes. yeah as opposed to like soundtrack da, 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 things are happening yeah, yeah. kind of so it, it is kind of encouraging to to see that shift which I think yes. like for yourself and, and other composers it's great it's yes. a, a nice way to do that so of the stuff that you've you've been performing because you've I like I was looking at your CV like you've had a lot of uh, festivals you've been to a lot of those and uh, with your group obviously do you have a favorite sort of performance memory be it like the during the rehearsal or the concert itself that, that was yeah actually that was a, quite a tricky question for me because I think rehearsing is always very nerve wracking for me okay so I don't know if I it's in, always in what way. Uh, it's often to I think one is overwhelmed often by the performance and the people just performing the work to to be focused on what you want change and what is possible in the moment to work on because they've been working on it or I don't know if they have been but just to what is needed now in these sort of final moments before they before they perform it it's tricky I find it to focus on what is an issue what can make or break the piece what is that thing that needs to be looked at right yeah, I think the moment is overwhelming, and I mean, musicians also, they they just overwhelm me. <laughs> Looking at you, wanting... Yeah, I don't know. It's either the, the look of, please give us information, <laughs> yeah, or I help. don't really care, like, what yeah. the information is you give yes, me. Just like, give you us, can present the information, give but us I'm not something. interested. Give us anything. Yeah, maybe it's that. Um. A favourite... I mean, probably it's actually the first time I was performed by a very good professional. It's probably, what is that piece? It was in the Netherlands, um, the Asco Ensemble. Okay. And that, I think it was overwhelmed. It was amazing. We had a, f- a week or so to work with them. It was a very nice, this... That is luxury for, that is for luxury. New, new pieces. That is what the conservatory had the setup that they chose a few students and then you wrote a piece for them and then you have a week or two to just work with them. Right. Which is so... It's fantastic. So I think that was one of my fondest memories, yeah. Um, which, of course, brings to the, the other hard question. Do you have a favourite piece or a couple of favourite pieces? Yeah, that is tricky because I it's tricky for me to only think of myself when I think of pieces. I want to make it a bit more um, accessible also to the audience because I think <laughs> I like the piece Me and or Me D a lot. Yeah. It, it's one of the pieces that also took me the longest to write and I think it's got a sense of clarity and it knows where it's going.
the piece I'm currently busy with, I think I would like a lot. Right. I do like. And um, I like the piano piece, um, self-portrait. Right. And then the other piece, your mother's molecules. Is it my it's or no your? Need to swim. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's actually my. Your, oh, I've got your mother. Is it mind. your? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Your, I'm not sure. Your mother's Freudian moment there. Yeah, they're they're often in pieces. There are nice moments which I like. I, it's not often that I actually like a whole piece. Okay, but there are nice moments in that piece which actually. I think the end. There's some end in the end of the piece. There are some nice things. I think what's what's interesting and maybe worth mentioning, and again, it's that whole thing of like you know the the debates of like tonality or whatever, is even like that. And I say this with invert huge inverted commas, the harder music to listen to or mm. to to get into as. Uh, I don't know, I, I don't want to use the word as the uninitiated, but like sort of working your way into new music. It sounds so stupid and like, well, no shit, but mm. the more you listen to a piece, however like strange or, mm. strange is the wrong word, but unfamiliar, let's put it like that. Um, the more you listen to it, the more you start picking up on things and you're kind of like, oh, right, that that is repeated. That is a motive that comes back. Yes. I see now where that is, that like the links there. It's sort of that thing of like, well, it's not like a pop song or popular music. It's yes. like the reason everyone knows popular music and pop songs is because they repeat the fuck out of it on radio. Yes. So you hear it once and you're like, right. okay, well, that's kind of catchy. And then like an hour later, they play it again. And by the third hour, you're singing along. So it is really just that, like, you know, it, it's, this is a polite way to say it's pretty stupid to turn around and go like, oh, this is, you know, I no. couldn't hold on to this. This is not worth listening to. Um, listen to it again. Mm. Just yeah, have absolutely. another listen. Like, I know I, I was chatting to my dad about this at one point and he suggested for a work of mine uh, it, that we were in control of the concert. He's like, no, what you do is you play it, take an interval and then you play the piece again. Mm. Uh, didn't do that in the end but it is just that sort of um, it's a good way to kind of uh, get to know something especially the problem with uh, a lot of new music is you know this might be the only time you hear it live so it it just gives that opportunity for it to sit a little bit Um, anyway that's a long but no no absolutely (laughs) but I mean if I can just sort of add to that I think that is one of my big things I'm thinking constantly is because in the end for me it's it is a development, I don't know for how you works, but the development of material and what does that really mean? Because for me, it often it becomes quite metaphysical, it becomes quite symbolic. It's not necessarily clearly heard in its same format, but for me, that is a kind of a repetition. Say, yeah. say, say I'm starting to use stabs as a... Because say stabs start to happen out of a melodic um, sort of development of a theme, then maybe in a later stage, the sudden brief silences would be a repetition of that but it's not sound it's something totally different but that is just to give you an idea of how material can be developed yes it is not a clear so it becomes very um yeah it's interesting symbolic how you take something further yes i mean there there is a moment in in uh me and d or midi um where sort of it's near the end where there becomes the sort of repeated shimmer almost yes. 
And there's sort of, uh, just because of like how my ears are, are wired, where you just sort of, oh, wait, are we, are we going towards some kind of like tonal center or, and <laughs> it's beautiful. It, it's, it's really effective sort of in, in the structure of the whole piece. This mm. that I, uh, I don't want to use the word relief, but it is just suddenly, I know this sounds so horrible. Like, no, what no, I'm saying, but you, I you like know that. what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it, it's, it's beautiful. It's very, very effective, like in, in the whole context. That's interesting because for me, it's also, it's sort of the the um, the media aspect of the work reached its optimal application. It cannot play faster, right. so it sort of relaxes in these five hundred and twelve notes. Right, many of them. Right, right. Sort of happening in the end, and then the piano becomes this very melodic sort of soloist. Right. Yeah. Um, so, if uh, what what is the best advice that you've ever received from a teacher? Compositional wise, it was. To take your time. Okay. I mean, it's also because how I wrote, I wrote very concentrated at first. I had all these ideas and I didn't give them time to breathe. So time within the piece or putting the piece together? No, I mean both of them actually, but time within the piece. No. I think one should often take an idea extra rather than not doing it. Because one is never fully, one never listens to a piece of music in that sense that you're always there. So I think it's often better to rather do it again than not doing it. Maybe that's something, right. that's what I find with myself. Um, but also in the process, I think to have lots of time. I think to, one has need to go back to a piece constantly. Right. when composing. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I don't know if, the, if this ties into that uh, question, but what would you suggest if sort of like to, uh, and I was listening to an episode I did recently where I misused the word up and coming or upcoming or <laughs> someone like, I just refer to everything as up and coming uh, up at one point, <laughs> but so a, a, a let's say a, a new composer, someone who is trying to work their way uh, through sure. the scene, what would you suggest to them? Or do you have a suggestion for the new music scene in South Africa as a whole? I mean, this scene is, it's a small pool, which is <clears throat> full of nastiness. <laughs> <laughs> there is a, a composer who once described it as piranhas in a pond. But, um, yeah. A very uh, small pond. <laughs> um, I think something I discovered very late is that you actually need to get your pieces performed. I, I, when I was younger, I just wrote pieces and put them in the drawer. Right. And I just kept on writing. Uh, so I think it's important, and for that to happen, one should try and write pieces which you and your friends can perform. Yeah. Keep the ensembles always small. Um, getting into the scene, I think it's just to listen to lots of people and be aware of what's going on outside. Do not live in a pool or in a pond. <laughs> And as in to go abroad, you mean? As to, to go abroad, yes, see what's yeah. out there and try to stay... I think that helps one to stay relevant. I think that's important. I yes. mean, music is such a... I don't want to say it's not a luxury. I, okay, that's an absolutely wrong thing. But often I feel, because one has this time and working on oneself, it is important to, to put oneself out there and to be criticized, to become, <laughs> I don't know, the best. Right. One can be, yeah. and not sort of just sort of um, lock one away in the small pond and then um, deceiving oneself 
and then not sort of reaching full I mean it's all very tough saying that I hate it when and people criticize very easily and it's not always meant to to enrich the piece or the composer and that's also a different thing I think and it's especially big here which is sad yeah because I think in the end it's about that's what I liked in the Netherlands so much it's in the end about the piece and the person to become the most that person can be and and the end is who knows how far one can take it yeah I think yeah I think I mean the the uh, equivalent if one doesn't have the the I don't want to use the word luxury but like the ability to get overseas to do that yes there there are just listen Absolutely. to online. There are so many like, platforms. If I think it, it is, it hasn't been that many years, but if I think of like 10 years ago or 15 years ago, the access that one has to new music, to, to listen to other stuff versus now where it's just like, you know, you sneeze at your computer. It's just like, okay, cool. So I have these like 30,000 <laughs> channels to choose from. Yes. I'm just going to work my way through it. Um, I think, uh, uh, I don't know if this is a step further or in addition to what you're mm. saying. It's also that thing of to listen to stuff that you would not necessarily listen to. Yes. Um, just that that uh, if you like it or not is, is irrelevant. It, it's how that will obviously affect what you're mm. doing. If, if yeah. it's something that you really hate, uh, I think that is it's a, a much stronger dr- driving force when you on your own work than constantly listening to stuff that you like. Yes. Because no, if you, you're just going to stick in your own kind of like, this is how the sound world that I feel comfortable with versus it, like if you listen to something you don't like, I find there's that, that reaction of like, well, fuck, I can do this better. Like, what is this <laughs> shit? You know? Yes, I know that's so, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. But yeah. I, I 100% agree. It, it's just a thing of like, not broaden your horizons, which sounds a little bit wanky, but it's just that like, Look around you, like have yes, a, have absolutely. A I probably also want to add because this is something I also started to do much later in my life is actually to talk about your music. It's tricky. That is one of the things they often do, or it's now again that other university is to try and understand why you do because that takes you in different alleys and help you develop. So it also um, applies to then if you hate something, it's interesting to try and figure out why you hate it, and that can also help a lot. Yes, what is it to a piece of music that doesn't resonate with you it can, can also be an interesting s- exercise it, it can also sometimes be i i found like you know i think of uh very close friends of mine when i'll have conversations with them like sort of you know the first time that one met where like the the initial re- response i've had this with a couple of people where it's just yes. like oh god who the fuck like <laughs> this asshole um and i have received like the, the same back like galena at one point we were chatting about this and She's like, no, the, her first reaction when she met me was like, who's this arrogant? <laughs> like, what is this asshole? Kind of, you know, so, they, but it is that thing of like, it, in music, you have that reflection as well of just like, I don't like this because it's actually pretty close to, to me, kind of. Understood, yes. Um, yeah. But yeah. But, um, so one of the things, and I, and I put this out there again because I'm slowly running out of them. One of the things that I try and do is that uh, people can send me questions. Like, uh, I, I like to choose a question, for, like an audience sense question. Okay. So if, if anyone's listening to this who has something they want me to ask a composer, you can either reach me at Bat Composer on Twitter 
uh, or uh, on Facebook or Instagram. I'm all there. My name is written brightly on the the, the title of this uh, podcast. Not my decision. Thank you, Cara, for the the logo. Um, the question that I got recently was uh, what is your role or responsibility to the community slash society that listens to your music? Yeah, that's uh, I, I've, that's a tricky one to answer because I don't want to sound preachy. Please preach. One would think that we have a, um, a responsibility to to challenge okay why would we challenge the field but to i mean we have to constantly take it further otherwise it would just i mean die and and stay what's the word stagnant St- absolutely yeah. I, I i think for something to keep on going one needs to push the boundaries and one needs to see oneself a bit like I don't know where one finds the um, self-esteem and the ability often to to push things, but I think it's very important to um, to be to be what's the word a crystallization of everything you can put your hands on and listen to and then make something new of it, and then become that thing that other people can make part of their um, what they draw from keep it forward moving yeah but this is more now based on an audience or not i i think so if i understand the correct the, the question correctly so i'm probably thinking more about people that's also in the same field i think it it, it applies to all of it as the the community just yeah, i suppose what is your responsibility yeah. as a composer to the the people that listen to your music or the the, the people that maybe don't listen to yeah, your probably music that's not to be complacent to be open to be criticized to be flagellated. I mean, to be the, <laughs> the person that, if you understand what I'm saying, to take that responsibility onto yourself to... Yeah, to create is a, is a responsibility and you have to be open to be criticised and not just take the celebrity aspect of it. I mean, the to thing be of... The be, to be beaten. So the thing of, like, allowing... <laughs> <laughs> allowing oneself to, to be criticised almost in order to, to grow the scene, if I understand correctly? To become... Yeah, because I don't think everyone is open to be criticised or to be beaten, to become this thing for the... that can represent a kind of aesthetic for an audience, but you must be open to the... Yeah, the criticisms, the only word I can think of. I'm I'm thinking very philosophically and very sort of figuratively. But I don't know if it makes sense, but I'm trying to formulate something that's messianic maybe a bit. Right. <laughs> you understand, I'm maybe taking it a bit far. Right. Well should uh should Sorry. you no, 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 no. say like should should you be looking to uh enlarge your flock, how can people uh, follow follow you? Yes, I'm thinking in a very um, sort of a spiritual sense. Right. So die for your audience. <laughs> you know what? There, there that is, is a kind of a because you have you cannot be just your you have like you say criticism and be open to constant breaking down. You have to be that thing. You you don't want to be safe. I think yes. Like I mean, it, obviously, it depends on on the kind of music that you're writing. Is you know, I mean, if no, your intention course. is to write sort of, of something course. very poppy, then yeah, you yeah. do that. But I think sort of like in a, I don't know. I might be really wrong here and I'm gonna get mm. angry messages from people who probably don't listen to this anyway but the the point of like you want to kind of 
push things. You 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 don't want the the feeling that I get sometimes is in certain fields, certain areas one's hit sort of like a point of how music was about a hundred years ago mm. and it's just like no this is fine yes like i'll i'll just stay here which is fine right no, you can write how absolutely. you want to write um but i think it depends what you're trying to to do as a composer mm. if you want to sort of push uh things it, it, it is i think every composer i don't know this sounds horrible but like every composer worth their salt has kind of tried to push something yes. at some point no it's true um and one is not always aware what they've been pushing but they probably yeah. they have yeah but i mean it is a field of specialization or oh, that's how i see it one has to remind oneself of that it's not something you have to go through this whole process or probably one also doesn't have to i mean maybe this is old school thinking but it is a specialized there's something to say for specialization of of what does it become when you you are never specialized so what what do you do after this point of thinking you have now you've learned so much what do you take then as next level specialized where do you take your um, sources from so i think this constant criticism is just this still always specializing it's always this educational thing this if you understand what i'm saying it's I not you finish so. you yeah. finish your start it's strange with uh, when you work in these um creative fields you study and then you stop studying and then you're whatever this in this field and doing this but actually you never stop studying and this is the that more difficult part where you have to sort of create the education yourself and take the criticism in yourself there's no one saying anymore or not you can decide how you read anything but you must try and read what's positive or valuable in there so i think to to stay on this trajectory of always learning which actually stops the very tangible aspect of it is important because this is what the f- what this field is yeah or not yeah no i think I, I don't know entails this is what it is to create i think one one should always be learning i suppose that that yeah. sounds silly but like there are several as an example youtube channels which i've only kind of discovered of in the last like year or two uh there's one called i think it's score follower or score reader okay. and the other one is i think it's called inceptify or and both of those uh a lot of uh definitely not easy listening new contemporary art music and it'll include the score in the video yes, so i've seen that you, that is fantastic it, it's yeah. a great way to get to learn you, there's yes. a, a composer kate uh kate soper who uh is a, a work which I've, I've shared on facebook a couple of times it's called voices from the killing jar i think with, i've listened to it this is the singer yes that's also composer yes that's exactly. fantastic. It, yeah, it, it, it and it, it just sort of hearing her work that one piece i started delving deeper into other stuff that she's written and it, yes. it is that sort of like we are not worthy this is yes. like phenomenal like writing so there i suppose the the point of that is that there are uh it's very easy these days to to broaden one's mind so to speak like to to take those various avenues and yeah i don't know i think we've now sort of gone in in various circles away from the original question (laughs) admittedly the original question uh, (laughs) i can't remember now no Mm. um admittedly it it was either that or like what do you do in your spare time so (laughs) um, (laughs) so if people wanted to (laughs) to uh follow you to find like for upcoming performances and stuff like that where would be the best way to um probably my website wickham 
Wickham.net. Okay. I've yeah. Uh, is this not a plug? Yeah, yeah, no. This is it, is, uh, is this another marketing or the yes, section? Pretty much. There's stuff that uh, if there's anything coming up that you'd like to to punt. Um, no, there are music on iTunes. Right. There's uh, an album. There's the a nice recent. Yeah, there's this the soundtrack of this movie, which which is an EP, all um, sort of a synthy sound world, which I think is much more. Um, accessible than my other stuff i think it's much more easy to listen to there's this wonderful cd that lifa starker organized um, yes it is called wir spielings yes which she recently launched actually i think a year ago which has got a nice collection of yeah it's violin pieces got some lovely music by uh composers such as claire loveday um lisa morrison uh, Hendrik Kofmeyer, all people that I have either spoken to or I'm in the process of organizing to speak okay. to. So definitely it is an album worth checking out. And then there's also works with this um, free improvising ensemble I'm working, Potage du Jeu, but now they're called Interzones. It's also interesting, it's, it's very different to what I normally do. Cool. Well, thank you very much for, for enduring the, the whoever is sawing away outside there. I don't know how much of that is played through on this. It's like, uh, I could close the window, but no.
Mm-hmm. <laughs> 